0: Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world famous two time champs and feel the power! It's a new game, yes it is! For 12 Pack Radio, get excited, y'all.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta Rank college football statistical model, and this is a Sharp College Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Week 13, as the Dr. Feelgood train comes to a screeching halt at the Pac-12 final week of regular season play, I'm joined as always by Rob Baueron, who, uh, you know... There was there were some good times. There were some bad times in uh in last week. Uh, I I thought it was I it was I should say the the USC uh, UCLA game was a delight, and I think it made up for any any other deficiencies in any other game. But uh, how are you, sir? <laughs> yeah,
0: some of the games were a little less sightly, <laughs> a little less enjoyable. Um, I'm good. I mean, it was like it was a fascinating week last week. Um, I cannot remember the last time in beta rank that the top four teams failed to cover. Oh, and that, and that happened last week. Like normally beta rank usually has in particular versus Vegas, like the very best teams dialed in. Yeah. Um, and you can usually count on, you know, those, those hitting, and Georgia, I mean, Tennessee just got worked. <laughs> like, Tennessee from the moment that game started, too. It was just yeah. it was a mess. Um, Tennessee failed to cover. Ohio State failed to cover. Michigan failed to cover. Now and had Kansas State at six. Like now, Alabama was playing an FCS school, and Kansas State covered um, and was far closer to like Vegas had it at five versus West Virginia. Um it finished at 17 and Betarang counted it at almost twenty-four. But yeah, pretty uh pretty interesting week, right? Like and uh Betarang still managed to get like just just at 50% for the week against the spread, but that's unusual. I mean unusual. And if it had gotten you know, like I said, like the top if the top had worked out the way it normally does, it would have been a fine week, but oof.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like normally I look at those numbers and I'm like, I ain't scared 38 points, pff, whatever. <laughs> but but this year, right. for some reason, those teams at the top have been uh, particularly Georgia. I mean, they've really struggled covering spreads and, but they still win. And like the model gets that they're winning. It's, it's been a wonky year. I think all around the, the mountain West has defied math. The Mac has defied math. Um, you know we're still hanging tight. I went, I I went five hundred. You know after going six and zero, the double barreled six and zero last week, and but some of the games I think were were like fairly close. The Colorado game wasn't spoiler alert on that <laughs> front. Holy Moses, um, I was on, on the end of a bus buzz, bus on that one, but I, I think for me, outside of the USC game, which we'll go into because I just freaking loved that game. I it yeah. was so fun, and the like. Yeah, was their defense ah, but the offense absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> but the the offenses I think were so good also that right. it made I mean it it highlighted the dumbness of the defenses on both teams and that was fun I mean there there are some games where it's um where like uh, particularly back in like the big 12 you know golden era where of like 63, 64 games, you know, <laughs> final score yeah. where both teams had okay. They had like okay spread offenses and just God, God awful defenses. I think the UCLA, UC, uh, USC game was a much, much higher functioning offenses and much more sophisticated offenses against bad defenses. And, yeah. and, and that that's why it was fun because it was like, it was glorious, glorious points, and 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 just really good play all around. Big plays, big throws, big catches, big gains, and I had so m- I was on the losing end of that game, and I didn't care. I was just having a great time.
0: Yeah, no, it was a g- that one was. I mean, it was absolutely back and forth. Um, I mean, it, it, it's one of those ones though, like. I think the narrative, of course, is like you at like you know like we we tend like I mean college football is all about building narrative out of wins and losses, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone should feel bad if they had UCLA in that game. UCLA only lost by three, and they they were minus three on turnovers. You know, like, now some of those were bad throws, right? And, um, you know, but, you know, like, the turnover luck was clearly against the Bruins. And, um, you know, like, the you know, like, I, I don't think that's one of those ones where, like, you just open up the box score. I mean, even having watched the game, like, you go back and you look at it and you're like, them's the break sometimes, you know?
1: Yeah, that last throw. To uh, the number one pick, Corey Foreman, or number one uh, player in the country, yeah. Corey Foreman. I mean, just an awful, awful read by D- oh, DTR. Yeah. Holy goodness, that was terrible! And yeah. it was, it was like, it was one of those games where it almost felt like an NFL game with two minutes left. Right, is Tom Brady going to, you know, drive the the length of the field to be able to to win this game? Except it was DTR, and DTR is. But we've we've covered him at length for like seven years on this podcast. Exceptionally much better than he was. I didn't trust him in that drive. I just and, and I was fascinated. Well, he was off all night, yeah. You know, like... And they and I don't think USC. I mean USC had plenty of time. They had timeouts, and I don't think I think they ran the ball once. I have to go back and look. They definitely yeah. did not at the end of the drive. And, and one of our listeners had mentioned they had only ran the ball once in the fourth quarter or something. Just really now, granted yeah. they scored the previous you know drive, so you know you take the points or whatever. But I, I was. I was shocked because clearly they were getting whatever they needed basically on the ground. And throwing that many times with DTR in a big moment at the end of the game makes me nervous. I I don't know. What did you think of that play calling at the end?
0: I mean, I think that, I mean, look, UCLA clearly has confidence in DTR, right? Yeah. Yeah. and I think that over the last two seasons, a lot of that is warranted. It's been a long time since he had a game like this. To his credit, his
1: right? butter, butter fingers—he came back. Yeah. He dropped the ball while he was oh, running around.
0: Like, oh no, he's back. That's so bad. Uh, but you know, like the for UCLA to be where they—I mean—they were getting yards running the football. I mean, they got five point five per carry. Um, you know, and that's even with including whatever sacks were you know in there as well. I mean, Char- Charbonnet had a real good game. I mean, he had five a carry um, and their Thompson Robinson had, you know, had a couple of real long runs in there um, as well. I mean, and I, I just, I, I'm interested. Like I get it. Cause like, but they seem to have reverted to that. I mean, like in that Arizona game, they reverted to throwing the football, Yeah. you know, to keep up even though they should have. I mean, they were getting literally all the yards on the ground they wanted. And it's, I mean, I don't think you can, I mean, that just falls squarely on Chip Kelly. Um, You know, like, I, I do think that what we've seen from Chip Kelly this season is when they end up in a shootout, he tends to default to throwing the football, even though I think he does have one of the best run games in college football. And I think it's a really strange tick of his that if his, and this often happens with UCLA, that if his team's getting thrown on for points, that he ends up, like, like it, it's like it's almost like somebody like dared him like dared him to like cross the like I dare you I I dare you to cross this line you know like he's like ah that's it I'll absolutely do it right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like he can't resist it he's like oh we're gonna have a shootout I'm in oh man uh, what what a game
1: we'll cover it more when we t- we talk through the, the actual games you know on the other side there was two huge games this this week it was the UCLA USC game and then of course Utah. Oregon, which was basically the opposite of everything that we said. And granted, look, both quarterbacks were hurt. And and for me, this was more a disappointment in what could have been in that game. Because and, and I know like a lot a lot of the Oregon fans are talking about Bo Nix injury and clearly he was not hundred percent in this game, which right. a, a which A was a bummer. So like I'm not counting that against them. I'm just more this game was a total bummer all all around because Nix was hurt, but so was Rising. Like Rising right. was not himself in that game, and it clearly I mean, Oregon Oregon was like, "Would you like this game? Here, let's put it in a box with like a with a spread right. of a spread of fruit and here's some chocolate and you, and you just like, nope, nope, no, don't don't want it. And for the love of all that's good in the world, can you get some wide receivers, Utah? Because yeah, oh my god, like the last two, I, I can't remember Rob the the last time I've seen an end of the game drive end with the ball literally." like with two balls that would have been first downs, EMAS hit the wide receiver in the hands and fall to the ground on third and fourth down. Like that, that yeah. was, that was inexcusable. And, and I think we had some Dalton Kincaid. Uh, oh my gosh. Like It's a, uh, that Lane Kiffin syndrome. I forget which quarterback it was that just threw to the one, the one wide receiver over and over. And we talked about this um, a little bit. Um,
0: JT Daniels.
1: Yeah. JT Daniels, because I want
0: to proud. Yes.
1: And and credit to Oregon, because because the the last pick that rising through, they're like yeah we're gonna put a safety and in a corner on Kincaid, and they came away with a pick because he couldn't figure out who else who other to th- to throw it to. I that that game was a bummer. Like again, big win for Oregon. It was at home, but um both both offenses just were were kind of a mess and, and it was because they were hampered by quarterback play. I would have loved to see both those guys at full, you know, at full health because I think, I think the game would have been different. I don't know. I yeah. mean, it would have been, it, I'm not saying that Oregon wouldn't have won the game, but, but the, the feel and the energy and the pulse of that game would have been significantly better.
0: I think both fan bases out of this coming out of this game, it's fair. Like I mean, cause I, I think that there are definitely, and there are definitely some people I think within sort of like you know, Pac-12 watchers who came away with this. So like Oregon should, should have boat raced him. But like, yeah, Oregon was limited because Nick couldn't really plant and throw. Right. Like he couldn't really get the ball downfield. Um, But it's also true. That like Utah was just, this is one of their worst games offensively against a not very good defense. Um, And in some ways, right. Like Utah is not set up to exploit Oregon. Like Washington is like, this year's Washington team was like frickin' kryptonite for this Oregon defense, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could throw the football, you know, like, you want the Ducks all day. Um, you know, and, like, that's, I mean, like, if I were an Oregon fan, I would not be super excited about facing USC, right? Like, um, now it may be a shootout, but you got to hope Nick's is healthy. But I think really, too, like, these teams were, were largely close, you know, like, and, and for Utah to go on the road, and and yes, absolutely. Um, you know they got lucky with that punt, you know that muff punt fumble touchdown, oh like,
1: yeah, that's
0: um, <laughs> but Utah left points on the board, right, I mean, they you know missed field goals, um you know, drives that they didn't finish off, like it's not as if Utah was really shut down, they just continually saw shot themselves in the foot in this game, and I don't, and I gotta be clear, like I don't think the Oregon defense played all that well, like it was the U- Utah just continually just like slamming their fingers in the car door.
1: I, I do. I would give the run defense the credit
0: and, and I don't know oh, how I mean, both run defenses showed up. I mean, Utah absolutely dropped a hammer on Oregon's run game. You know what? I'm going to take a look at this because Tavian
1: and Thomas might be suffering from like Jaden, not syndrome or right, Jade...
0: <laughs> <'Cause laughs> <Well, Utah> I <laughs> can't really run the football this year. Like <laughs> yeah. they you now, Utah fans talk themselves. Some Utah fans, I don't want to, like put everyone in the same boat some Utah fans talked themselves into it after playing Arizona and Stanford (laughs) but largely Utah's running game and offensive line have not been very good this year
1: here's his entire his entire log this year like 115 against Florida okay 48
0: against Florida doesn't have a good defense
1: yeah yeah, that's true um (laughs) And and, uh, like some of these, he didn't get as many carries, but 11 for 48 against Southern Utah, 16 for 59 against San Diego State, 11 for 60 against Arizona, six for 13 against uh, Oregon State, 18 for 91 UCLA, eight, I mean, this is all like eight for 28. Against USC, eight for thirty-eight against Arizona. He blew up against Stanford, but yeah, join join the party, sir. Um, And then nineteen for fifty-five for two point nine yards of carry against Oregon. You're right. I mean, like this this Utah team is. I mean, it's a top twenty-five team, but frankly, probably with rising hurt, it's like twenty to twenty-five, right? Like I, I I just, I just, I can't. Well, they really
0: need Keithy. Right, like, and and that's one thing too. Like, I mean, as much as you could talk about Nick's being hurt, like Keithy is was is other than rising, probably the most important player for Utah, and gives them another actual, honest to goodness pass catcher that's a matchup problem on the field. Yeah. Right. Well, it's funny. That, <clears throat> I mean, that's like that. I think coming into this, like Utah for for Utah, like they needed Keithy in this game. Cause I mean, like they're going to, they would have been, they would with Keithy, you know, they probably are able to exploit Oregon more through the air. I, I gotcha.
1: I, I thought one of the things that was fascinating because, you know, and, and we've, we've covered the, the, the lack of talent at the wide receiving position for years, which is bizarre to me. And like Utah is finally not the the team that throws the least to the outsides. I think it was like Notre Dame actually does it less than they do, but I'm sure Utah's in like the bottom 10 again on that front. But I, I thought it was fascinating that, you know, it, I was kind of saying like, you know, I, I was lamenting this over Twitter and uh, one of our friends, law dog basically said, well, I think Britt Covey still has, you know uh eligibility left because of covid and and it's the perfect statement of like utah's offense that Britton covey right the the player that everybody loves and points to as like one of the best wide receivers his best year he had like 637 yards receiving that was his best year at utah that that is it's just mind-boggling and i get it they run a different offense they run it through the tight ends i understand but man what a what a rough watch if you can't do that, and then they've been able I mean, to do his, that.
0: His biggest impact was probably returning punts.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was a man. And by the way, like I am not disparaging the Saint yeah. Saint. Guy. Like he was awesome. That guy was a man, and is and is still a man. Like I get it. I he's one of my favorite players because he took so much punishment. He had so much grit. But like you mentioned, you know the the punt returns. They did some stuff on like you know fly sweeps. But as a straight slot receiver, six thirty seven best year at Utah and you know anyway i i just hope one day i hope and pray one day i i spent 4 years of lighting candles every sunday for utah to get a better offense and that finally happened. so th- don't tell me that impossible is 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 impossible because i am hoping one day that they're able to bring in some wide receivers but all that to say this game was was a bit of a snoozer like i was i, w- I was on my seat edge of the seat watching it but more because i had like gambling <laughs> implications in it rather than you know, well, once I realized what I was watching, I kind of was like, oh, OK, I, I get it. All right. This is the game we're going to settle into. And that's fine. Um, any anything else? That, there were some other games that happened this week, but none of them were as consequential.
0: Or many of them weren't good. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Like the only other one that was close was Cal Stanford. And that was that was just comically bad football.
1: Oh, it was, it was gross. And of course, like, of course, Stanford covers Stanford covers all the dumb games. And, uh, and and like he had at one point, like the fumble that like bounces off of the turf, like it was a basketball, like it just bounced straight yeah. up and like right into the hands of the Cal player. It, it, it's the best. It's,
0: I, here's the thing. Stanford absolutely freaking moved the ball. Like Cal put up. Cal was absolutely getting waxed in this game heading into the fourth quarter. They put up 21 dumb points in the fourth quarter. They gave up 400 yards to Stanford. You know, like they gave up 130 rushing to Stanford. Like this Cal defense, I like everybody's focused on the offense, but man, like I think Peter Sermon is bad.
1: Yeah. Speaking of bad, Colorado, you had one (laughs) dumb job. And it was
0: to cover a 31 point. I did not
1: point. buy that. I did not buy it. <laughs> I just need you. Colorado
0: got taken to the woodshed.
1: Oh, it was awful. But like, it's the it's the classic spot. It's you know, Washington just comes off a huge win. They gotta play this dumb Colorado team. Washington has no defense whatsoever. And Oregon scores seven points in the whole game. And like it's it's funny. I I keep picking Colorado. I'm actually like I've gone 500 picking Colorado this year because I just think that because of the dumb factor, I think just teams are like, "Ah, oh, whatever." Like fine. Score at the end of the the freaking game. But I mean, in no way they've been competitive in like any of these games. And again, we have a 30 basically point spread um against Utah. And I'm just curious. Like I'm we haven't really talked um about like possible uh, job openings, right? We have the Colorado job, we have the ASU job that are going to be. There was a
0: rumor of Deion Sanders today, and I'm trying to remember because it got oh. tweeted out by somebody somewhat credible on it.
1: Dude, if Coach Prime came to came to the uh, the West Coast and became a, like one of the coastal elites, yes. <laughs> I would just uh, love it. Twenty
0: four seven Sports had tweeted out, um and I have no idea who this guy, he, I think he largely covers, he works at 20 seven sports, but Jason
1: Shear. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean,
0: it definitely gets, it definitely gets into the, you can get into the weeds in some of these places, right? Where it's like somebody's like, now they, they are a professional, they are paid and they run this site, but like how good their sources are, um, is another question. But, um, There, you know, 24 seven sports had put out that, um, Dion, it was talking to South Florida and to Colorado, but like that Pete Dammell report that occurred. No, it was Adam Rittenberg that had come out that said that, you know, Colorado was like in the red zone, you know, of their coaching search. So like they, my, my expectation is Colorado is going to announce probably, you know, maybe as soon as not this, you know, of course this week will be the end of their season, but you know, like maybe as early as next week.
1: It would be cool if they got him. I just don't think. I think he has better prospects. Like, why why go to a, a athletic department that has historically not given you what you need? Yeah. And, and really just cut. Basically, they're, they're the coupon cutters. Like, they're the couponers of the, the Pac-12. Where they're just trying to, to cut corners wherever they can.
0: And Did People should work. I mean, like, I would. I mean, if you were at another school in the Pac-12, like. You know, in, you know, or seem to be Pac-10. You do not want Deion Sanders at Colorado because he's going to provide enough juice to make your life a little miserable. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> like, he's going to like, and people shouldn't sleep on like that Jackson uh, State team. He's got is pretty darn good, and if he brought his defensive coordinator, they play really good defense in the FCS. Um They're not just smoke and mirrors, like they are, and they're one out of conference game that they've played this uh, FCS out of conference game. They played this season. They absolutely put the wood to Campbell. Um, So like, don't sleep on him. Like, and he can, and he can show up and recruit too. I just like, he, he would all of a sudden turn Colorado from like, just like somebody, something nobody's paying attention to, to like, all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, like Dion's recruiting this kid too. Damn it.
1: (laughs) The one thing to keep in mind with him, and I've heard this on the cover three, they, they, I mean, those are the like the national twenty four seven guys, or like at least Bud Elliott, yeah. and his 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 one hesitation, and he, and he still likes. My impression is that he still thinks highly of of uh, Prime, but he mentioned that some of the recruiting that he's done at Jackson State, he wouldn't be able to, not in a dirty way, he wouldn't be able to get away with in in uh, Division One football, where
0: oh, he's yeah.
1: he's getting a lot of the players that couldn't get into, or right. there was some issues with you know, getting into their school of choice. And so he's kind of getting those people that fall off the fall off the wagon, not, not in a bad sense, but just in a grade sense or in like, you know, an eligibility standpoint. And so they have this, he's the net and props to him for being the location, right. To be able to go to, I think he'll still recruit, but just, I just, he kind of planted that flag and he's really, you know, knee deep into recruiting. So I think that's interesting. If, if he goes there, I'd be shocked, but it'd be awesome if he did. And then, um, I was hearing some like, you know, all, all all the, all the reporters out there that aren't really reporters. They're like, you know, Kenny Dillingham already done to ASU. Let's hold our horses there. Like, you know, it's possible, but, um, I want to see what happens at the end of the year. It's
0: interesting because you're looking around and you're, you definitely, I mean, the mountain West is abysmal right now. There's no one. Yeah. (laughs) there's, There's literally no West coast coach that anyone's going to be looking at, you know, and thinking like, oh, we should hire that guy. I mean, there's some – now, Now the big sky is really good, but I don't think any of the Pac-12 schools are going to pull like a Kansas State and go hire an FCS guy, Um, you know, like Brett Vegan from Montana State or uh, our friend that was at Troy – what was his name? He was the offensive coordinator at Utah for like a hot minute. Um, for oh. Taylor He's head coach of Sacramento state, they are, they're a legit national title contender for the FCS. Um, but that leaves mostly the coordinators, right. You know, um, out West, uh, if you're going to go that route and, and Dillingham is probably your best coordinator. It feels like Ryan Grubb would maybe get a shot at a group of five school first, you know, but it's like hard to say, like, I mean, there's, you know, it's hard to think of another coordinator within the conference that would would get a shot. I mean, other than that, like <clears throat> Willie Fritz from Tulane, you know, they're having r they've had a really good couple of years, should be considered maybe national coach of the year. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: well and and that reminds me the defensive coordinator at Illinois is a Colorado alum. So keep a
0: lookout for that. Yes, guy. Ryan Walters and yeah. his contract is structured to basically, you know, kind of leave him um like a, with an easy out for to go take a head coaching job. Um, Jeff Trailer at UTSA has done a really really good job the last couple of seasons, but like a lot of people tend to think of him as a Texas guy.
1: I was gonna uh, joke. Well, he's up uh, next in line for that Texas job. He Cause... might be.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I would watch it like Sark is like I just, Texas is like sneaky good this season. They're terrible at winning games, but like it's mostly because they just. They shoot their own foot off at times. I I mean, but you get outside of that, like, and you're all of a sudden really like scrolling down, um, even in the group of five, uh, to to find guys, you know, like me. I mean, would you would anybody, do you think, like, make a like a like a big money offer to like Lance Leopold at Kansas? Like, do you think he'd take it? I mean, that would be a good guy to get. Like, but there's there's not even like a lot of like just not a lot. I mean, the the uh, the head coach at Troy. Um, Has done a really good job yeah but yeah it's not I mean but after that then you're looking at like all right who's I mean John's that's John uh, John Summerall at Troy I mean who like even if you would take like if you go looking around you know the the top contenders in college football right now you know like there's you know you're, you're going to go get like Will Muschamp from Georgia? Like, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, Todd Monken feels like a guy. He's been a life, life lifelong coordinator. It uh, doesn't feel like a guy anybody's going to go jumping at. You know, um, the Bill O'Brien shine is long gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it just start Like, I guess. Like, I mean, it just starts getting really thin, really fast. Um, you know, out there. Like that's the I mean, I guess that's just like the being the like the 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 head coach, like the potentials out there for like to go out and grab somebody for a head coach. It just seems really, really thin.
1: Yeah. And the only other one would be um Tom Herman. Uh or oh, yeah. uh, uh who's He's, the other Dan, he Dan reportedly Mullen? Interviewed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um you reported and Dan Mullen would be another interesting name. Um what's his name? It was a Tennessee.
1: Oh, the D de- the guy that burned it to the ground.
0: Oh yeah. But like, here's the thing is like, he was the last, like he was the last great defensive coordinator that Nick Saban had. Oh, so like I, even like, if you like, I don't know what he's doing with his millions of dollars. He probably has from Tennessee. I mean, although they may still be arguing over the buyout, but <laughs> I think he's like a consultant for the giants or something, maybe. But, um, like he's the name to keep an eye on for like any open DC jobs, I would think Jeremy Pruitt. That's yeah, it.
1: Jeremy Pruitt. That's right. Yeah, that that would make sense for the DC position. I, I think. Th- I think at the end of the day, like my money for Colorado is going to be on uh, the DC of Illinois. I think that makes sense. I think they they, well, can't, be a good one. they can't go super safe like with a low ceiling. I think they have to yeah. show some energy this time, given the the past r- record of, of douchebaggery that they've they've done, and then. At ASU I th- I think it's gonna be uh, Mullen or, or Herman. I think they I think they played a little bit more safe and like get a get a high floor. And I think you get that with both of those guys. Um I, I would prefer uh, Mullen over Herman. So yeah, we'll keep a lookout for it. It just this.
0: seems crazy to me though, on some of that, right? Like the um if if you think about like ASU, I think in particular the the like ASU that situation with Ray Anderson still there and Michael Crow still there, it just feels like a, a crazy house, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Like
1: <laughs> or or they might just give you all the room you need, <laughs> you know. Like I mean, if if uh, Anderson was willing to put up with so much of the <sighs> Herm stuff, like you know, I'd take that for a boss. Hey Brian, do whatever you want. All right, we, t- we went on a side quest. We went on a side quest. We'll, we'll cut that some of that stuff out. Uh, and, we'll, and We'll cover some of the coaching decisions and that kind of stuff in a bit. But, Rob, let's get to all the Week 13 lines. We have a lot of rivalry games. We have a lot of games that just happened in Week 12 to go through, and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. We're talking Pac-12 football. We're talking Pac-12 football. Week 13, rivalry week here. And... You know, it's interesting. I went, I went back and took a look at at Beta rank the last couple of years, and it seems like the numbers kind of, they kind of don't really care about your rivalry, <laughs> right? Like I, I don't know, like at least, at least like the last couple times I checked. Do you do you think that there is some intricate like unknowable rivalry shenanigans uh, that that make their way through the data, or for the most part is is a rivalry week just another week of football?
0: I think it's for the most part it's just another week of football I mean I think I think part of it is is that we care more about these games and so like the normal shenanigans often seem more crazy and it seems like they mean more you know
1: okay okay yeah that's it's like because <laughs> boy howdy that that 70 to seven game uh, Arizona ASU comes to mind um, yeah we might as well just start with them right like ASU is a four point underdog. On the road against Arizona in the territorial cup, you know a- Arizona basically we we nailed that game. Like uh, I, that that I was I had I was a little trigger happy or like gun shy actually is a better better uh, way to look at that. Just because the last couple lines that came out where you and I were like that's dumb that makes no sense. Um, we ended up losing on this one, not the case. Washington State really owned this game from the start to finish, and. For me, Jaden Delora talked a whole lot of trash before that game for a team that's four and seven and can't play defense. And Washington can surprise play defense. They they just owned this game, and and it wasn't close. I mean, it was what like thirty to six in the third quarter, and you know he had two backdoor touchdowns and still didn't cover the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a really hideously, hideously ugly game for Delora. Um, you know, I mean like the four picks, I think in, in particular, <laughs> um, Arizona, I mean, at times ran the ball reasonably well, uh, you know, with, uh, Wiley and Coleman, but they couldn't seem to stick to it. And then, I mean, it really felt like too, that, uh, you know, very early in the game that they, they felt like they had to really throw and they are, I mean, the Arizona is a throw first team to keep up. Um, you know, with Washington state, which jumped on him early, you know, like, um, putting up, you know, 21 points in the first half to Arizona six, but it was, I mean, this was, this was the very, very, the very bad Jekyll and Hyde jaden Delora game, um, that Washington state is a, is a good enough defense that, you know, maybe we sort of saw coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there wasn't much to say. I think we know what both of these teams are and in a good way, like as the season settles out, actually. And I was thinking of, you know, how do we, you know, what do we talk about after the season during bowl season? I think it's what are these teams really go through and kind of break down. Okay. This team was good at this. It was bad at this. And here are the players that are leaving just so, so we can kind of set up that prep for next year where we, where we can kind of put some more eggs in our preseason basket And I think we, I mean, we know what Washington state is has a good run defense. Uh, The secondary is pretty good and their offense is what it is. And the only hesitation I had in this game was would, would the offense just be dumb like it normally is. And it turns out it doesn't matter when (laughs) Jaden Delore throws four picks to you. Uh, And and Ward had some plays and I don't want to discount that. But um, at the end of the day, this was pretty much total domination on the other side. You know, the other game, ASU, we we both kind of nailed this one too just gets waxed by by the beaves um asu three and eight you know as the season starts to to really come to a halt and really not much to report here i mean Valade had 100 yards rushing um Borke was was the quarterback which i thought i appreciated but I mean, they just don't have the defense to stop oregon state and that was the case i mean that yeah, they did whatever I mean- it wanted
0: they ran face first into the Oregon state defense and the bees largely had really good field position on the game and they turned that into points. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not that complicated. This one <laughs> Now you know, matching these two teams. I think this is fascinating because I do think, you know, all, all for all that we were saying of, is there any like, you know, voodoo in these rivalry games? I do think that there, there's some motivation. Like I think ASU will show up in this game. I don't think they're going to roll over like ASU did or like Arizona did the last year of, um, of uh uh, he who shall not be named um so uh, with that said i don't think they're very talented and arizona can move the ball as i looked at this you know arizona opened as a four-point favorite at home and i kind of as
0: a three-point favorite
1: oh and then it popped up wasn't it i think you're right i you know like even at four i feel like arizona just can score and you know that dtr um if uh if arizona's quarterback doesn't throw four picks. I think they they have enough offense to move this ball and keep this game like not necessarily out of reach, but just kind of stay ahead of the curve. I'm not as impressed. Like, I don't think Arizona's defense is good at all. I think Valaday going to have 150 yards, but, um, Borquet, I don't, I mean, he's fine. He's, he's, I think he's better than, than the transfer they pulled in, but you know, I don't think he's that much better than Emory Jones. Uh, I, I kind of like Arizona, but I'm curious what the numbers say.
0: Yeah. So Bader Inc has Arizona favored, um, by almost eight, um, 7.78 at home. You know, Arizona is, you know, 33 on offense versus 110 on defense for ASU. Arizona is at number 11 in effective pass. ASU is at number 90 defending pass. I mean, that's, that's a real problem. I mean, this is good. Like just like last week, um, I mean, both of these teams each had to play two of the, the very good defenses within the conference that will not be the case this week. Right. Um, so, like, you know, Arizona, as we have seen when Arizona gets to play a bad pass defense, they largely get what they want, um, you know, and they, you know, they're able to put up a lot of points. And I think that's going to be the case this week. Um, you flip it around, like, ASU's, like, you know, look, ASU's offense is a lot better than their defense. They're at 52 overall, they're at 41 in effective pass versus 65 in effective rush. But Arizona's defense—they're a little better against the pass. They're at 78 in effective pass. Like I think Arizona is going to find ways to slow them down enough, right? And Arizona's special teams are just a lot better too. They're at 46 in special teams versus 95 for ASU. And uh, I think Arizona is going to like ASU will ASU will feel like they are and, and like can often happen to them they will feel like they have to try to keep up and it will, it may lead to mistakes.
1: They they get two extra bonus points. If, uh, <laughs> if there's a scuffle on the field between the quarterback and the wide receiver for Arizona, I thought that was a, uh, not, not a great
0: look by Delora with a Dorian. You know, how many times in, in the game was Delora and his wide receivers yelling at each other for like being on, uh, on different pages. And that can happen if you're running like option routes or something, but they were apparently seeing very different things out there.
1: Yeah, that was bizarre. All right, next game we have let's do all right, let's do this dumb one. Um Utah is <laughs> <It's> a twenty-nine <laughs> point favorite on the road at Colorado. I mean I, I mean every line is thirty points. Like it doesn't matter. I should just close my eyes and and every Colorado lane, doesn't matter who they're playing, is is always gonna be around 30 points. Um look, Colorado just got blown open. By Washington, it and they looked awful. I actually had this game on the second screen for about like thirty minutes, and then I just like threw it up in my mouth and turned it off. Um, they looked so awful, and I've watched Colorado football like throughout the year. Uh, this this game in particular, and look, Caleb DeBoer will make you look real dumb, but uh, but I mean, th- it, Colorado looked like it just gave up in that game, and they don't have an offense, and now they get they get a mad Utah team that isn't at a hundred percent. They're, you know, they can't run the ball a ton, but I just, I mean, whatever, I'll take Utah. I like, I'm not betting on this game, but I I just think that Utah is going to be able to kind of do whatever it wants. And this is going to be a slow burn that the one thing that worries me a little, like every Colorado game is like a backdoor cover because, you know, for the most part, Colorado has like stayed in the general vicinity of 30 to 37 points and that one touchdown is the difference between you covering and not and uh, I, I highly recommend not betting on this game but you know I, I'm sure Beta rank has it like isn't there a cap on how how many how many points a team could be favored on in Beta rank?
0: yeah it was like 50 something okay we're not there are we no, it's 36. Okay. Um, here, I like the Utes to cover that. You know, like uh, I, I think part of it is that Colorado's defense is so horrible; they're at 121. Um, I think the Utes will run the football when given the opportunity. The one thing that worries me though is like the, the Utes will run the football when given the opportunity. Yeah, um, and they're not great at it. Yeah, I mean, now they'll, the they'll, they, you know, like Colorado's run defense is so bad that you can. They should have a big, I mean, Colorado's at 118, in effective rush. Like, they should get what they want. Um, but Colorado's offense is at 121 overall. Utah's crept up to number 15. I think some of that's a little bit inflated by, um, you know, getting Bo Nix when he was hurt. But, yeah, like, I, I think Utah's going to be able to absolutely shut down this Colorado offense that – I mean, here's the question, though: Is like, does Colorado care? I mean, have they already checked out?
1: Yeah, I I was almost gonna say like, there are some games where it's worth it to put some money on that outline, you know. And I think like, I think Utah can win this game, what forty-five to seven <laughs> or forty to nothing. Like, I just yeah. you know, but oftentimes the way that we approach these games is how many points can you know Team X score. And it's not more than fourteen and and this game yeah. against Utah. So, um, you know, if Utah can get whatever it wants every time, then I think this get they can get out of hand. And like I think fourteen is the cap. it can right. it can be three to seven in this game with with uh, Colorado. so just keep a lookout for that. um Utah, of course, you know, their game against Oregon. and I mean we t- we talked a decent amount about this at the opening, but I just. I'm like it's again, it's a bummer that the bowl games aren't taken as seriously as like they were where it'd be fun to see where Utah lands and how they react to whatever team they have. Right. Because that running game isn't great. Um, they really ran into a bus. I I thought that, that Oregon really just did. They kind of had their way with Utah in terms of capping that run and really forcing, um, uh, rising to do something through the air, which he didn't now it helps when rising can't really run very well. So I think that also hampers Utah's offense. So that's a little right. worrisome against Colorado. Um, any you know, anything, anything else on Utah side here, th- the way that they handled, you know, Bo Nicks, I you know, Bucky Irving kind of got his, his yards and you know, I, the the game, it, the game was just kind of a bummer. It was just, you know, like it was a muted, it was a muted big game.
0: I mean, Utah's run defense is really good, you know, like their past defense struggles, um, partly because they're not great on the pass rush. Um, but they do a good job, you know, staying in their lanes, containing runners. Um, and I thought that, you know, they did a really good job in this game doing that. Uh, but you know, like they, they probably got away with a little bit cause Knicks wasn't able to necessarily exploit them.
1: And my apologies, um, my apologies. I said, Bucky Irving, I meant Noah Whittingham. Um, yeah, I'm just so used to Bucky Irving just being nasty, <laughs> so I forgot that. Uh, like any time they ran, I'm like, "Oh, it's Bucky Irving," and then I I totally forgot it wasn't him. Um, yeah, that's interesting.
0: No, it was this. It was it. We we. I feel like we covered it quite a bit in the intro.
1: Yeah. Okay. So they they end up with Oregon State. We just talked about Oregon State, although we didn't really open the box score when it came to what they were able to do to Utah. I mean, 31 points. Bengal Branson, I think, like average Pac-12 quarterback. Probably about right. fair, fair assessment with him. Uh, yeah, I
0: think he's. I think that's about right.
1: So here here's what worries me about this game. So I mean, the line right now at this point has Oregon State uh, as a three point dog at home. But when you match these teams up, that's where I start sweating a little bit if I'm an Oregon State fan because I don't think Gold Branson and that passing game is really that great. I don't know if they're going to shred that offense the way that other teams are. And yeah. when I think of Oregon state, I think of Martinez and them just running the ball. And I think that's when you get into problems with Oregon, when you try to do that. And it's not like old Branson's going to do stuff with his legs. I think this is a bad matchup for Oregon state. What do you think?
0: I mean, it, it is. This is also a bad matchup for Oregon. <laughs> like, this is a really good defense that they're going to get. Um, with your quarterback hobbled yeah, and uh, unable to plant and throw. Right. That's really like, I mean, this game just feels like a, like, look, if Oregon comes in with Bo fully healthy, like, I would, like, I mean, one, the model probably has Oregon favored by more. Um, cause right now it's basically a toss up in the model. Um, <clears throat> cause it's, it's the home field on a neutral field, Oregon would be favored by two. Um, but I think the, the, you know, like the, the problem here is like Oregon State's defense is number 16. And everyone's had problems with them, in particular with their secondary. Um, and you're right. This isn't a I mean, Oregon's defense sits at 55 overall. They get a Beeves offense that has like snuck up to 34. Um, but there's still a more like a, a more run heavy unit. Like Oregon's defense is good against the run, 28 and effective rush. You have to be able to exploit them with the pass. I just, I don't know. I mean, like, I think Oregon wins by. One possession, whether it's three points or, or seven points, or you know maybe some you know six points or something like that. But I just I would I, I would not bet this game with that. I mean, because like if you if if you have another Nick that can't you know can't plant and throw, that's a tough one.
1: What's Oregon State's rush defense?
0: Um, their run defense is number nineteen.
1: Because I think or like that's how Oregon scores for the most part. Um. And they're home. I'll take I'll take the Beavs. I I don't like it. I think Oregon can win this game. I clearly um, can win this game, but I'll, I'll take the points. I th- I still think there's a chance that Oregon wins and doesn't cover, and Oregon State's able to just to move the ball. But like Oregon State has just been awesome at home this year, and yeah. and this is a good team. Like I mean, it's not a great team, but I I think it's a team that's going to be fired up. They have a lot on like you know they're not going to make it to a New Year's Bowl, but they they do have a lot on the line in terms of. Um, I've, I've just, you know, like having a, a really good season, they're still ranked. Um, they're still competitive and I'm, I'm worried about who's going to catch the football for Oregon state, but somebody will, um, right. I think, I think they score enough to, to either win or, or keep it close. So I'll, I'll take the beeves. Um, but you're right. Like, I, I think it's a little worrisome with Knicks or, by the way, like with Ty Thompson transferring to an FCS school, like what, <laughs> like I mean, I know it was a big game. It was against Utah. So, and there was still a lot on the line for Oregon, but like, but I, oh, the one thing I forgot to mention in this Oregon game, are we, how many times are we going to do cutesy-futesy, like, you know, Hey, let's, oh, let's yeah. have, let's have tight like Thompson, come out for a play and fumble the ball. Like that, wouldn't that be fun? No, right. no, it's not fun. Um, right. <laughs> there are so, like, there, there are so many Jed fish type plays that I've seen in the last like three games from Oregon that just, it's just stop. Like you don't. Like they did the thing that drove me nuts. If, if you're an Oregon fan was that they didn't need to do that. Like they, they were getting basically enough on, on the ground and through the air. And I know Nick's was hurt, but like that was, that play was just stupid. And, um, I don't know if Thompson, like, I don't think Thompson is good at all. And, and I thought that we would have seen him last year if he was like, if he had any promise and he basically was glued to that bench. Um, I think he goes to like a Mountain West team. I, I just, yeah, I don't I'm, know. Like, I, I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, they have somebody in the, in the wings coming through. Like, I don't know if they've, I'm sure they I'm sure Oregon has a quarterback that's coming through. We don't, we don't cover recruiting here, but um, I hope you do. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's see. All right. We have a few more games to get to, and let's get to them right after this. All right. So Arizona. All right, we're back. A couple more games here to tick through. A couple more games to tip through. Let's do the Apple Cup. So the Apple Cup, Washington is favored in this game. Two point favorite on the road at the Palouse. I love the app. Like of all the rivalry games. I mean, I actually I take that back. I love I love whatever they call the four for I five or whatever. Like USC UCLA. I grew up in that area, so I appreciate it. Um, but like if you take away like my whole history. I love the Apple Cup. Like it's just, it always looks nice. It's cold. The colors, like the I think the Palouse is just a fun place to watch football. Um or or you do the sail gating thing. Like it's just a really, really great rivalry and it's been awful, awful, awful for, for Washington State until last year when they finally broke the spell here with uh with Dickert taking over. They catch Washington uh as a two point dog, the the uh, the Cougs are. And we know we know what Washington State is. I, I, and, and we know what Washington is. I think Washington is a dumb dumb defense, um, and I think Washington State is going to be able to score some points in this game. It's just how good is that secondary, um, you know, on the numbers, Rob, because DeBoer is going to get his points also.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting game because Washington State's defense is good, you know, and they're going to get you know the number nine offense uh, in the country. Um, you know, and Washington has a really high drive efficiency number. Um, Washington State, what they excel at is forcing negative drives, forcing three and outs, forcing turnovers. Um, you know, Washington's number two in effective pass. Washington State, I mean, they're good against the run and the pass, but they're 22 in effective pass. So you never really feel like Washington's going to be able to get some points in this game. But I also think, like, you know, it's going to be more muted than, um, you know, this isn't going to be like, running free against the bad duck secondary. Um, you know, for them. But like you flip it around, <clears throat> this Washington event defense has improved a little bit of late. Um, but they're still 108 in effective pass. You know, and and the Cougs are at 34. They should be able to again like get most of what I mean, even as bad as Cam Ward is, like they'll be able to figure out something, you know, in this game. I just this is this is this is a tough matchup. Like Baylor Inc has this one far closer, um, you know it has this as basically a toss up. And I'm I'm gonna take the Cougs. Like I I think that the the defense is gonna be good enough and show up in this game.
1: Yeah, I'll take the Cougs also. They're at home, um, and I just I just don't trust the the offense like a, of Washington. I think any team that can that has a defense and can move the ball a little bit is a threat to Washington. And that is like the epitome of that, that is in the dictionary under Washington state this year. So it's not a huge, you know, I'd be hesitant to bet this. I don't think there's a huge edge on it. So, but I'll take the kooks uh, life finds a way. They, by the way, they covered that five and a half point, uh, uh, game season win total. So God bless you. I think that's it. Like, you know, looking at Washington, right? You beat the doors off Colorado. Congratulations. Like, you know, I don't think there's really much to it. It's like playing an FCS school. Um, We just kind of ignore it and move on. So, uh, but but just, it'll be an awesome game. And I guess the one thing to to mention, we, we have been talking so much about DeBoer, but the wide receivers for Washington are legit good and fun and like really really frustrating to cover when it's third and eight because god almighty they always end up pulling the third and eight out of a hat and anyway it's just been really fun or frustrating depending on what side you're on with that game those those three and outs um all right next up we have oh ucla plays cal
0: rob oh man yeah what a dumb game um, what a dumb dumb game <laughs>
1: Well, why? What I mean, I get it. It's probably because of Notre Dame, right? That that's why this yeah, game is. So, always-
0: so, yeah, so they have to fit in both of their both of their rivals play Notre Dame, so they get stuck. They get stuck with this. Like, would you remember last like? Well, no, like you see, a, it was the USC Cal that got played like super late last year because of or in the COVID year. I don't know. Anyway, there's always some dumb dumb game. No, it was last year. It was last year that USC Cal got played super late, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's because it's because each of their rivals plays. And
1: and both of them were like four and seven and couldn't get to a bowl. Uh, It was hysterical. Um, unlike that game where I took Cal successfully because Cal had a little bit more to play, you know, for since they had, you know, a coach, (laughs) um, I'm going to take UCLA here. This is absolutely a letdown spot or like a hangover game is is what this is right UCLA loses a big game now they have to go on the road to Cal and play in a game that really doesn't matter uh, to them but it also really doesn't matter to Cal I mean Cal can't get to a bowl Cal's defense is really bad they fired their offensive coordinator and offensive line coach I just I I I trust UCLA's offense to move this ball enough against Cal's defense to be able to, to win this game. I don't think Ott is very good right now. I think he's still injured or there's something, there's some problem there. Um, It could be the offensive line just isn't getting a push for him, but I don't think that's fixed. And if, if Jack Plummer beats me through the air, then God bless him. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to lay the 10. I think UCLA probably wins this game by 20. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's about where beta rank has it at like 20. 20- three points um, you know UCLA's offense is really good they're number six overall they don't have four turnovers they should absolutely roll in this game I mean they, they had four turnovers against USC and they still put up 40 points so <laughs> they're Cal I mean Cal's defense is better than USC's but not by a you know they're, they're pretty bad this year I think you I think UCLA is going to put up a ton of points um, now UCLA's defense is bad but so is Cal's offense Right. I mean, and, um, now Cal does throw the ball pretty well <clears throat> comparatively. Um, 55 an effective pass versus 116 an effective brush. And that is an advantage against UCLA, which struggles to defend the pass. But I just I don't think Cal's going to be able to, to finish it. They're going to have long field position on a game because I think UCLA is going to score. Like I'll, I'll take the Bruins. The
1: one thing that worries me a little bit in this game is, you know, last game of the year. Cal's going to do like a flea flicker and like a triple reverse and they're going to, I mean like, I do think that there, there is room for them to get to manufacture points in a way that you normally wouldn't. But I I still think that UCLA is going to be able to score enough to, to cover that regardless so um, just something to keep a lookout for I hate that too when you're taking a game you're like ah for the love of god they did a flea flicker (laughs) that's the difference in the spread (laughs) absolutely look out for some dumb dumb stuff in this game but um, I think you I think UCLA covers pretty handily I mean anything else to mention in Cal's win like we mentioned like they scored 21 points at the end I I had this game on the second screen and I was just kind of rolling my eyes the whole time
0: yeah I mean like Cal just kept in like Stanford loving Letting Jack, like they got like Jack, like Plummer. like they let Justin Wilcox, like just come back and make <laughs> this game just so much stupid at the end for Stanford.
1: Oh, the the one thing I should mention did did you like did you watch this like uh, do you have, did you catch bits of it?
0: I did. I caught parts of it. Oh. Yeah.
1: The the band staring at each other oh yeah can can we just can we just stop like it it, it, and they kept cutting to it and they're and it's awkward for them too they're not even looking at each other they're just like looking away and just like pretending that they don't care um the idea that the band members are staring each other down and they're the ones that get the the axe I just thought that was so dumb and I don't remember that from previous years I think that's the first time like have you ever seen that before I don't think that's a tradition I didn't have the sound on but I mean, I've watched a lot of. I've watched this game basically every year. I can't recall a time when the band stares each other down.
0: I can't recall that ever being a thing. But I don't know, like this.
1: And the, the, those
0: those bands are just like, well,
1: the Stanford band even isn't like. They don't even go to school. Like a lot of the members <laughs> of the band aren't even in the school. I I just thought it was so bizarre. And like I I appreciate you know, like the the pageantry of college sports and the bands, though. It does drive me nuts. And we saw this a little bit at the Wisconsin game when, like, the band tries to draw attention to themselves and they're just... And it's way over the top, like, in the middle of a football game. I'm like, can you just, like can he just shut up? Like just shut up for 10 seconds and let this, let this third down happen. And you know, in the meantime, they like, they have like a tuba guy with the shirt off and they're like, they have their own little chants and hand motions. And I'm like, I just, that's just a little over the top for me. So um, I took that extra personal when it was like 16 cutaways to the two bands staring at each other. If you saw this, you know exactly what I mean. If you don't like, just don't look it up. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) We can move on. Um, The last two games of the week, Rob are, the The traditional, you know, games that Notre Dame um, plays against USC, and I think does does Stanford play BYU every year? I'm pretty sure they do.
0: No, they they, they played them recently.
1: Oh, okay. So like, oh, and they they squeeze this in because of the B, uh, because of the Notre Dame game. That's what I'm thinking. Of yeah. Now. Um. Let Let's Let's do Let's do BYU Stanford here real quick. Stanford is a six and a half point dog at home against BYU. Man, it' been a rough year for. Isn't that like the third game that um, that David Shaw almost accidentally won and then <laughs> gave back to the other team?
0: I mean, this is a dumb game. Like, this is funny because, like, yeah, I mean, David Shaw, I mean, just remarkable, but, like, BYU is bad. Yeah. I mean, this, people should not come into this thinking, like, oh, BYU, I mean, like, if you haven't been paying attention, like, thinking of them, like, last year, this is not that. Now BYU does do like they're at 75 overall in Beta Rank. They're at 31 on offense. They're at 15 in effective pass. But like they have a real, I mean, they have a real problem on the other side of the football, Um, and that is like they are at they're at 114 on defense. And they are very bad against the run and very bad against the pass. And I actually think this is a good matchup for Stanford because, like, what does Stanford do really well? That's defend the pass. They're at 13 an effective pass. Like, now maybe like they Jaron Hall goes nuts and just runs the football all over B- or all over Stanford. But you know, like I I like Baderick has this closer to a toss up with Stanford at home. I just I I like the Cardinal. Like I think they're going to be able to move the ball against this really bad BYU defense. I don't think BYU's defensive line is going to be able to, to put pressure on McKee very well. And, uh, I think that Stanford's going to slow him down enough. Yeah. I think it's weird. I think I like, I like, I like, I can't believe it. I like Stanford in this game.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm worried about hall. That's the one thing where I'm yeah, not quite sure. He's a wild card. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you. actually, I thought BYU, uh, like this is a team that's also given up. Um, so, you know, if this was, if this was any other team, Rob, I think I'd be a little bit more worried about, uh, what we have here. I'm just going to take a look at Hall's stats in, uh, the most recent, uh, games here, just his game log, because I want to see if he's really rushing like he normally does. My understanding that he was a little, he's been able to rush the ball recently. So 82 against Boise, 60 a bit against ECU, um, I mean that that is a concern, but I do think Stanford's going to be able to move the ball. I think they have given up also, but I'll take the six and a half in a game where where two teams really just don't care that much and kind of want the season to end. I'll take the points. Like it's kind yeah. of kind yeah. of depressing. Um, I'm a little worried. I don't know if Stanford's covered all year. I mean, what well, they did against Notre Dame, lol, but um, that might have been the only game. So just keep a lookout for that. Last game, USC is a five and a half point. No, that can't be right. Hold on. Hold on, Rob. They can't be, they gotta be favored. I think, I think I said that they were. They are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. USC is on a five and a half point favorite at home. against Notre Dame like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That doesn't look right. Um, Notre Dame's been playing better as of late. Um, what do they do? Well, Rob.
0: So this is an interesting one. Cause like beta rank has this, it opened at six scattered at seven and a half and it's gone down then to five. So this Notre Dame team is again like they're they're kind of more built around you know like a, a decent defense. I mean they're not great. this isn't where they were last year. they're at 34 on defense this season. <clears throat> um, and their numbers are kind of all in that range like they're at 38 in effective rush, 39 in effective pass. Um, so I, my expectation is USC is going to be able to put up points here, but it is going to feel, this is not going to be like a track meet for USC where they're getting a like, like a really bad UCLA defense. Um, there are going to be some moments where UCLA, or I mean, sorry, USC will struggle a little bit in this game, um, moving the football, but I like, I mean, I think USC's offense is going to have an advantage in this game. Um, against this against this notre dame defense you flip it around though like this irish offense has improved um they're not great they're at 35 overall in beta rank but they run the football yeah. really well yeah they're at 17 in effective rush usc's defense really struggles defending the run um they're at 80 in effective rush i think i think notre dame's going to be able to run the football i like usc to cover um because i think if it I think they are going to find ways to put up big plays. And I think that could put pressure on Notre Dame.
1: Yeah. I, I almost agree with you. Like I'm, I'm going to take the points, but that rush defense for Notre Dame has continuously improved. Like I think it started in that, uh, right before that that, uh, Clemson game that they had where something, something changed. You could just tell internally where they started really relying on the run. They have a really good offensive line and they're going to be able to run. that worries me if I'm USC, because I think USC kind of has a glass jaw, like with with teams that have a defense. I think I think they can. I think if they get stopped, that things start to pile up a little bit. And I think Notre Dame's has a good enough defense, significantly better than most of the defenses in the Pac-12 that are going to keep them at least honest. I I think USC still puts up thirty-five to forty points. Um, maybe actually, I t- I'm going to take that back. I think USC puts up at least thirty points, but yeah. If if Notre Dame is able to run that ball and really pick on a defense, um, I think this game is kind of close. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think there's a chance that they win this game. I still do not trust this USC team as a whole. I trust their offense. I think the offense is beautiful. It's been amazing to watch. It's been a privilege to watch Williams. Um, it's he. It's can he come back next year? Or is he?
0: Does he? No, he can come back if he wants.
1: Oh, he's not coming back though, right? Like, I mean... wait a
0: minute. Well, he was a freshman last year. Yeah. So he's not draft eligible
1: gosh i thought you all yet you, you had to have two years is it three three <laughs> let's go let's go they got a beefed up offensive line bring in those wider receivers. holy goodness it'll be fun to watch him one more year i think he gets i think he gets you know steps his toe a little bit in this game um he showed he wasn't perfect with that pick against ucla he's thrown a couple picks the last couple games i feel like i feel like um defenses kind of are, are are starting to figure some stuff out with him, although he's still amazing. I'll I'll take the Irish. I, I I really think they have a chance to win this game. Um I don't I don't think they will, but I think I think they cover. And what a fun game to end on. Like I I I just like right like this I wish there were more end of the year games like this. This isn't a bowl game, but it should be. It's two teams at a conference that are just different. They have different ways of playing and they're actually playing for something. Um, yeah. that's, this is great. I, I'm, I'm, this is going to be my favorite game of the game of the week. And I, 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 and a whole week that has some really fun, um, games to it. So I know we've been kind of poo pooing some of the weeks in the previous years, but like or previous weeks, but the U, UCLA, LA, USC game, um, even though Utah, Oregon didn't quite deliver was interesting, Washington, Oregon, it's kind of, I, I feel like we've, we've hit a good, a good spot as the season comes to an end.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, I mean, in a real shot, I think, too, for some teams, even if you're not playing for a bowl, to finish with, like, a good feeling, right? Like, it, you know, for Arizona or a, a Arizona State, you know, a win in the rivalry game I think is going to, you know, feel good, give them some momentum going into the off season. Um, You know, like even for, you know, a god-awful Stanford team, if they were able to beat BYU, that's one where they could, you know, certainly feel pretty good. And if you're, you know, if you're, you know, the two, probably what we think of as like the hardest jobs in the Pac-12, Oregon State and Washington State, you know, they've got a real shot to upset what are, you know, pretty good years for their more well-known rivals. Um, you know, like that's, and and USC, I mean, and USC has a shot to, to really, I think, put themselves fully in the playoff conversation. Like beating Notre Dame is going to, I mean, and and they are in the playoff conversation, but I think USC, they pull off this win. We're going to have to talk through some scenarios, um, for, for USC to get in there because we'll know how much Michigan got beat by, right. Um, or Ohio state got beat by, and we'll have an idea too of like where Clemson sits because it's, it's pretty likely Clemson might finish with one loss too. Um, you know, and we will know if to where TCU sits. So I mean, I, I, I USC. I mean, they definitely have to win. But I think a win gives them something for their resume that um, Clemson and TCU won't necessarily have after oh, this weekend.
1: Yeah, good call on that. Yeah, we'll we'll keep a look at. It'd be real fun. I mean, like how many times like last year we were pretty excited. We're like, oh, they're gonna do it. And then of course, like you know, no Pac-12 made the the um, playoff again. But um, it'd be kind of fun to have one. I mean, like, I think the season itself, like, I was going back and forth with an SEC fan that's like, oh, you can't make the playoff. I'm like, College football is about college football, and that's what makes right. like my favorite bowl of all time is like the 2018 Cheez It Bowl. Like I, I, had more fun watching yeah. that game than I did a lot of the national title games, just because it was so dumb and there's so much ridiculousness happening, and um and it's it's just kind of fun to enjoy. So we'll keep keep a lookout uh, on these games. Let us know if you have any questions uh, at Twelve Pack Radio, um, at Baderank, uh, CFB. Is there anything else you want to talk through
0: here, Rob? No, no. I need to get. Um, I had a really, a really busy day at work, and I have family in town. Um, I need to get up the updated schedule file for FCS. That'll have the um, the wind probabilities and everything for the FCS playoffs.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Okay. okay. well, we'll keep we'll keep a lookout for that. Keep keep that degenerate gambling going. Very excited about it. Uh, everyone, we will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in.